0: Welcome to the Startup to Something Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Hey Matt, how's it going?
1: Yeah, very well. Very well. How are things on your side?
0: Good. It's getting cold, but uh, it's good.
1: I hate this shit. I <laughs> want the summer back. I,
0: know, it's, I think it's because our September and early October were unseasonally warm this year.
1: Like, yeah, yeah.
0: So it's really it's really dramatic now. It's like all of a sudden my winter jacket is out and I'm wearing a toque.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's so funny. Like I always find that it. it you know, we have these nice Septembers. Usually October is not this nice. Right. But then you get that last humidity – And then you get that final thunderstorm in October, and then it's done. It's It's, over.
0: Yeah. Winter's coming.
1: Winter is coming.
0: So yeah, it's cold. And my apartment is always freezing this time of year. Like, it's colder this time of year in my apartment than it is in the middle of winter. Oh. Basically.
1: Do you get heat from your neighbors?
0: Yeah, well, basically, it's my my landlord who lives downstairs has the thermostat. There you go. And I think they wait for the last minute to turn on the heat.
1: Yeah, I was complaining with my uh, with my wife when I lived at home. Uh, everyone's on oil heat, in, or at least they, they were when I was growing up. So uh, you know, typical dad fashion of just like, oh, it's December first and it's fucking cold. I'd like to turn the heat <laughs> on. It's like,
0: put a sweater on, put a jacket on. Wow. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like it's like middle October and be like, I will set this to a comfortable twenty three degrees. Thank you. <laughs> Luxury. This is what money is for. Exactly.
0: <laughs> the spoiled generation
1: exactly yeah I paid my dues yeah <laughs> I'm, start crank the heat baby
0: we never had to go through war rations Yeah, <laughs> exactly whatever just throw more coals on the fire
1: <laughs> yeah I'm too soft for this shit man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make it warm
0: seriously yeah like I I walk around the house looking like a homeless person I got so many layers <laughs> wearing long johns with shorts over them and
1: yeah seriously and it's not even November yeah exactly this isn't even my final form. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So, how was your week?
1: Yeah, my week was good. Um, I So, you know, so let's start this with the freelancing check-in. Uh, and I committed a major sin, but I learned something this time, which is very good to have. So, um, I usually try to work 15, 16 hours a week on freelancing. I ended up working 25. Uh, yep, went way over. And the reason I did that was because we've reached the end of the project and uh, my client was like, I've got other ideas and things I want to do, um, but can you sit on the bench for a little bit while I get some other stuff figured out? And I said, hey, great, no problem. I've got other stuff I want to be doing actively, so I'm totally happy to take a break. So I, uh, I looked at the list of things I have to do and I was thinking like, oh, great, like I can just, I'll just bang these out really quick and then I'll be done, done. So don't do like it's what that is, is my brain saying, you know, doing that binary outcome of like, oh, but if you finish this, then you can really focus on, on this over here. And it's like, but I've built a system. I've built this like marathon pace, which is exactly what I should be doing. Like, it's the same amount of work, whether you do it in one or two weeks, like it's the same. So just have it take two weeks. It's fine. So I uh now that I know that, <laughs> now I have a clearer idea of like how to tackle work like this, but um I ended up just going over time. So um that took a little bit longer than I'd hoped to. That ended up taking most of my week last week. So uh so the beginning of this week and really a little bit in the end of last week, I just started doing outreach. Um so I reread the mom test, I put together my list of questions, really kind of thought, you know, what are my highest um what are the highest value questions that I need to be asking people? What are the most interesting things that I need to know? And I went to the Webflow forums and searched around and just started cold emailing people. Nice. So I pinged seven people, eight people. I'm still looking for people to reach out to. Um, it took me a little bit to kind of get the build up the courage <laughs> to, to start approaching people. Um, yeah. i just like, it's, it's pretty interesting to like see people talk on the Webflow forums of just like, Oh, what are you guys doing about the CMS limit? And somebody wrote something to, akin to like, I need an increase of the limit more than I need water. <laughs> it's like, I will be DMing you. Yep. Like, You seem like you have something to talk about. Uh, so yeah, I've been, so the, the big list that I put together for asking people was really based around how heavily they're using the CMS today and if their site is making money because that's really the big one for me. Um, I did a bunch of Googling and kind of like Safari inside of the Webflow forums. And I realized that now I haven't done this myself, so it's kind of speculation I need to try it. But a lot of people are, I I need to look at member stack because people are saying things like, oh, well, I want to use member stack and member stack stack is going to hold member data. But if I want to store like user adjacent things, like maybe they get to set the background color on their profile page or something. um, They would store that on the Webflow side. And if they store that on the CMS, then that would mean that, that, that would mean that uh, they for every user you have, you're going to have at least one CMS entry yeah. on the Webflow side. So I don't know how much member stack um, stores for you. Like if you, you can just use it like a, um, like another CMS basically. And just anytime a member logs in, you kind of get a, a blob of, here's a bunch of, profile-specific settings or things like that for the user so that Webflow doesn't have to store it.
0: But the problem, that um, would be very like, JavaScript-intensive, right? Yes, it would. And most yeah. most Webflow designers don't, don't want to be calling JavaScript dynamically rendering HTML.
1: Yeah, so that's tricky. <laughs> um, but I've been looking at it to try to understand better the type of people who are having this problem. And as soon as it's pretty clear that just I mean, just like you say, right, like as soon as this complexity is created, if you have enough users, that's going to be a huge bite out of your yeah. um, out of your CMA. Um, I did find a couple of people who did they like shard their site. So they'll have like one guy um, was like he had a he had a, a version of his site for Canada and for the states and England, like that's how they get around this. Clever, um, yeah. I imagine that they're leaving some SEO juice on the table right. because it's not all under the same domain. But and it's probably a fucking nightmare to manage. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many how many mirrors he would have, but oh
0: my god, or just a design, right? Oh, I want to change the buttons to blue now. Yeah, it's so like I got to go modify twelve different Webflow projects. So. Yeah, so there's some interesting
1: workarounds there that people have been doing. Um, so yeah, I just reached out to anybody who complained about the 10k limit. I immediately just sent a sent a ping to, and that was just from the um, from the Wetflow forums. And I haven't even made it all the way through yet. Uh, so I have other places to look at and other things to check, but that's at least one. As
0: as a side note, I I looked at the wish list software that they use. To see if I could find a way to scrape it for you, and, <laughs> oh. and find all the people who voted for, you know, oh, yeah. But that's th- so smart. I, I couldn't find a way. Like it's, uh, I don't, I don't remember what the name of the software was, but I figured out what the software is. And, but I couldn't find a way. Like th- that, all that data is, is hidden. Like it, it doesn't appear anywhere in the markup or the JavaScript. Okay. The only thing I could see is that if they have a Gravatar... Like, it will display their Gravatar. So then you could, like, it, you know, like, reverse image search the Gravatar to find the person.
1: You are <laughs> a fucking <of> genius.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. You know, as I played around a little bit with it, but it didn't look promising. Okay. It, so yeah, the other
1: thing. Oh, you know. No, I was going to say the other thing that I, I mean, it constantly comes up is the inability to use Webflow hosting because of GDPR. Um, that's an interesting one too. Um, and I mean like, you know, a, a side effect of being able to do what I do could open it up for, for something like this. Absolutely, I mean, you know, yeah. GDPR is not, but, and especially cause what I'm doing is not that it's jank, but like until the, <laughs> it can't be self-service. Like what I'm doing is just like, it would, it would need quite a lot of maturity, but you know, maybe one day. Um, but yeah, like it's another thing that I'm thinking about, another angle.
0: Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Cause I found an incredibly well put together. Like breakdown of all the web flow of like how web flow hosts. It's written by a German guy, and or maybe he was Austrian. Well, anyway, he he wrote it all up, and it's this really detailed technical list of all the different aspects of hosting and how it ties to GDPR and why you can't trust it or like you can't claim to be GDPR compliant if you're using this for these reasons. Really, really okay. cool.
0: Yeah, because I have to be honest, I never understood why it's not GDPR. I mean except for the fact that uh if you use webflow's way of adding google analytics there's no way to allow the user to opt out mm-hmm. but uh but if you if you integrate it yourself using some custom javascript you know there's there's no reason why you can't have a little pop up appear and only if they say yes do you add google analytics mm-hmm.
1: yeah i mean i know the data needs to be hosted in europe and maybe there's some I haven't gone through the, the hosting portion. Um, I need to, to kind of check and see how it works. But um, uh, but I need to figure out, like, how the... Um, like, if it's hosted in Europe, it might be a CDN thing. I have a lot of questions. I, I'm not a GDPR expert. Like, I, I know what the spirit of the law is. But um, when you choose a provider, like, what's involved in that? Right. I have a lot of questions. Um, but it certainly seems like... It, it's interesting because it's one of those things of, like, I wonder how much people would pay for something. Right. Because I, I will admit one of the questions I have kind of for myself is I don't know what like the total addressable market is for a solution like this, like, you know, for doing Webflow hosting differently. And part of me is just like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know what the TAM is. I, I'm just, I have to go out and talk to people to understand. Because a lot of the questions that I'm seeing on Webflow so far are, are um, it's people who are thinking about using the technology like oh i would like to use it but this i see these limitations how are people dealing with them and they're deciding what's it right
0: that's that's the perfect time to
1: well it's interesting because the the those people may not ever actually hit that problem okay they might they just want to know it's a limitation so if they're like oh there's a workaround great i'll i will use Webflow. it's like but i want those people to be my customers
0: right so, but the GDPR though you could solve right away. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a really good, it's a really good idea to 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 approach both of them at the same time.
1: Anyway, I've stumbled across a bunch of like Facebook groups and that kind of thing that are like, uh, you know, Facebook, uh, sorry, uh, um, Webflow designers in Austria, in Germany, and it's just like, okay, great, like it's a bunch of people who are designing, you know, conce- conceivably four clients, and they're based in the EU, so could be a very useful audience to start talking to start
0: talking yeah and with power importer i've noticed there are a lot of a lot of europeans mm. like like usually for my other my other products that i've created usually like 70 to 90 percent of the clientele would be american but mm. here like it's i don't know maybe it's like as many europeans as americans and then the rest is asia okay interesting yeah interesting i wonder what I wonder where
1: that where that comes from. What does that tell you about your potential customer base, or even about no code in general?
0: Right. I mean, I know that the the f- no code France community is humongous. It's like hmm. it's like it's huge.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I heard about that on a Indie Hackers mm-hmm. podcast recently.
0: Yeah, I'm part of a Slack group, and it's it's way be- bigger than the other no code communities that I'm part of. Mm.
1: Damn.
0: You gotta catch up on your French.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um yeah so it's been nice to nice change of pace to get out and do other things that aren't technical um i had to like work up work up the courage to to get out and kind of whip myself to be like go do the thing go talk to people it's fine everything no one's mad yeah. <laughs> just ping people
0: yeah yeah no it's hard it, it's not easy
1: But, uh, but yeah, going through, it was so nice. Like rereading the mom test was such a good thing to do. Like, I, I don't remember when the last time I read it was, maybe it's over a year ago, but like, oh, it's so good to just sit down and do it again. And remember like, what is important? Like asking yourself that question of like, you're about to meet somebody. What is the most important thing that you need to learn about this person? And even in how you screen people for how you want to talk to them or just speaking to them in general, like, how do you feel about this? Like, yeah, because I, I, yeah, I, like I was saying, for me, what I'm most interested in is how big of a problem is it for you right now? Like, are you actively trying to mitigate this issue? Are you, you know, how, do you feel this pain or are you just curious about it? Like, how big is your CMS and is it growing? And how fast is it growing? Like, really, how, how aware of this problem are you and how important is it to you right now? Because the thing that I want to, my approach to this is literally, I will do it for you manually. I'm happy to do that. Um, if i you can begin paying me now right and i will start automating the process over time but maybe you care about that maybe you don't i will facilitate this work
0: so have you have you talked to anyone yet
1: uh no nope. i've messaged about seven people and there's a just before this podcast recording i got a message back from one of the people that i i requested a meeting with okay so yeah i put together my list of questions or at least a preliminary list of questions sort through it
0: so you say there's like the whale is not dry yet, right? There's plenty of other people you can reach out to.
1: Yeah, um, this is an int- this is like a recurring topic, constant. Um, so there's lots of at least on the Webflow forums there are so far. Um, I'm I haven't fully explored the forums yet, but I'm not sure where the next part. I don't know if it's a Facebook group or if it's Slacks. Yeah, I'm not okay. I'm not super sure yet because yeah, I I have some directions to go in for where to find people, but I. You know, I'm kind of setting an example for myself. If I really want to get at least 15 conversations and I want that to turn into five plus people who are actively interested, who are amenable to having this work. Um, because otherwise I don't know that, I don't know that the market is big enough unless I can, you know, like I, we can't really be sure of anything, but I do need to be able to reach. <laughs> I do need to be able to reach people. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, this is something I was. Uh, a fear a lingering fear that i have, but um i haven't really come up with clear numbers of like okay is this worth pursuing or you know this form of it um because the webflow community is huge and there's a lot of people out there with um with goals and and who want to continue to use the software so i mean the gdpr thing could be really interesting because and maybe the the answer there is agencies like going to talk to an agency and being like hey you have clients that are paying business rates let them pay for gdpr hosting right and then i can do the same manual thing but i'll do it for with that on a box hosted in the eu and that kind of thing.
0: yeah exactly no I, th- I definitely think you're onto something to pursue both avenues because i mean the the ten thousand limit is a nice one because it's a hair on fire problem like if mm-hmm. they're getting close to it till they're at the point where they're they'll, they're willing to say shut up and take my money <laughs> mm-hmm. uh the gdpr though like at least it's you can get people early on, like when they're not even using it yet, they're still shopping exactly. around. Or there's agencies, like I, I hear all the time, agencies that they only want to do Webflow, but then mm. but then they get a client and the client says yes, but I need X, Y, and Z, and then they feel all right, we'll do it on WordPress, <laughs> but mm. but they really would wish they would much prefer to use Webflow. So now if they have this this a new solution that they can propose to their customer. If like, if GDPR is one of the problems, that's promising.
1: Cause yeah, the only other thing I can think of, like it, it's tough. Um, I spent some time thinking about like this whole self-service thing. Um, I'm not interested in having this be self-service at least for the first while. I mean, it'd be great. It'd be wonderful if it worked that well, that I could be like, absolutely self-service, no problem. Um, I just don't have confidence in my ability to do that without a huge test bed and, and that kind of thing. Like, I haven't tackled multi-reference fields yet. That's going to be a fucking nightmare. Like, there's a bunch of things that are just going to be hard, um, especially when people are using custom code. If you're injecting custom JavaScript in there, like, it's that's tricky. Um, but that said, um, I could see attacking. Like, if you were just, you could advertise yourself as Webflow hosting, whatever. You know, Webflow, Webflow hosting... Uh, And then figure out like how do I get people to pick me over Webflow? And it's like do you undercut Webflow until they hit ten thousand the ten thousand limit, and then and then you know you have to pay for something that's real. But at the same time, I'm also thinking like oh man, like are those going to be the types of customers that I want to attract? Right? It's like I'm competing on price, and it's like that scares me at all. And
0: that has to be fully self serve if you're going to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely money to be made because that's, like, talk about, like, the default of default add-ons. Like, it's, like, I'm sure 90% of people who pay for Webflow Monthly also pay for hosting. Like, they must. right? Um, but all the same, it's, like, I'm just looking at the different opportunities here and how to try to figure out, like, okay, what can I reasonably
0: Yeah. Well, you have, you have to remember also that at the beginning, the beginning is different than, like, the... The opening game is different than the middle game and the end game, right? Very true. Like right now, it's 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 cold cold contacting people in forums and Slack groups, and but eventually, um, you know, you will have name recognition and people will know that there's a solution out there, and then it'll, it'll spread word of mouth, and you won't have to to reach out to people anymore.
1: Yeah, you get some credibility.
0: Yeah, like it will be known that oh, there's a solution to that. You know, there's Matt Matt's hosting company. But now it, yeah because now it's all cold outreach and
1: yeah it's a grind right yeah now, yeah, but, yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so you don't have so what you're doing now it doesn't have to be scalable like it doesn't have to yeah because I've kind of been
1: thinking a little bit about um I I was rewatching a few microconf talks I was rewatching Jason Cohen's because I was when I did my reach out to some of these people I looked completely ripped from his <laughs> from his strategy of. Saying like, "Hey, I, I'm building this for people like you. I would like to buy an hour of your time at whatever rate you is reasonable." So all my outreach was like that. Um, but uh, I also rewatched um, Justin Jackson's talk about like um, it was like weird ways of validating your product, and I was revisiting the stair step approach and that kind of thing. And one of the things that I saw in the um, in the uh, uh, in his videos and, and that kind of thing was again like coming up with free tools. Like, you know, how can you give away something completely for free, whatever the very bottom step. And as I'm going through the Webflow forums, I'm taking notes of all the small little problems that I can just build microsites to do. Like the one of the ones that's really funny is the 10,000 character limit in Webflow there's a 10,000 character limit per CMS item. So if people are trying to inject custom code in anything, there's a 10,000 character limit. Oh. So if you have a big chunk of HTML or anything, and you want to put that on the page, you'll just get an error. Oh. Um, yeah. So the right now the solution is super complex in that they're like, okay, so first you make a GitHub account, and then you upload your script to that, and then you have a URL, and then you, you have a script tag, and, you, and I'm just like, I can make that real, real easy of just like, I can think of a bunch of different ways to solve that problem, but it's like, are people going to pay for that problem? Probably not. Like, I mean, I'm sure you could say like, oh, I'll make it really easy for you, but built in minification, built in all these things. Like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of simple little utility that you can build to help people. But I'm thinking a lot about these microsite, Right. So yeah, I guess at this point I'm just trying to think like how can I? I want to add value immediately, and I want to add value for. And it's like, is it GDPR? Is it the, is it the the ten thousand limit? I mean, ultimately, what I have in mind could could service both. But who is most available and who's who's ready to pay? So yeah, that's been that's been fun and refreshing. It's cool to like get a bunch of ideas. I feel like I've been so kind of inundated with work. I just haven't been feeling very creative. Like as soon as I was starting to, as soon as I was starting to do outreach, I was laughing to myself like, "Do you really want to do this? Like, go write some code. Like, can't you just write some code? Run away, run away from this scary thing." Yeah. And I was laughing to myself, I'm just like, "Oh yeah, there's that voice. Hey there, yeah, good to see you again."
0: But I mean, doesn't it feel more real, like hanging out in the forums and reading people's problems? I mean, like,
1: people are very vocal about yeah. the pains they have.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it feels amazing to like offer a solution here i have a solution for you
1: yeah absolutely and like yeah the number of web devs who hang out there and they're like yeah i'm a programmer and i'm dealing with this and like i can help you but i'm over here like working on the jam stack like it's real interesting to see who goes to the forum also discourse this is this sounds like a hack i haven't checked it out yet but Discourse is very good at giving you links to all the things that people are doing. So it'll be like, oh, if Matt is replying to one person a lot or multiple people, you can be like, well, Matt cares about these problems. Who do these people or who are these people and who do they right. care about? So you get like a, like a layer two um, network of like who's doing, of, of a person's activities and who they're interacting, with, which is pretty interesting for like gleaning, um, gleaning information. I spent a lot of time <laughs> crawling discourse. <laughs>
0: So does that mean you have to, if you want to talk to people, you have to do a lot more outreach?
1: Yeah. I'm um, Right now, my plan is any recent thread I reply to and I at mention the person who is describing the issue or the solution and I ask if I can DM them. Um, and if they say yes, then I'll DM them. And if they say no, I won't. Or if they don't follow up, then I'll DM them anyway. And then... Uh, for any thread that's older or non recent, I DM the person. I link to their question and then I ask them. I ask them some clarifying questions of just like, "Hey, you know, it's usually about CMS if they're still using Webflow and what is their current CMS size and are they interested in? Um, uh, are they interested in talking about it? Um, and then when the ask is a little bit clearer, like, so for example, in one thread, someone was like. My hair's on fire. I'm about to hit the limit. I send them a message and I make the offer to pay them for, for an hour of the time. Otherwise I try to get them a little more clarifying, clarifying information. And then my follow up to that would be like, Hey, do you mind if we, do you mind if we meet, if they meet the criteria of I'm making money from this site or, you know, I'm making money in general. Cause those are the only people I'm interested in talking to around the 10k CMS. Okay. If you're a hobbyist, I don't think you're my target audience. Um, I mean, it, it might be unfair to disqualify those people. Maybe I shouldn't, but um, they're not the people that I'm most interested in. I want to talk to people who are making.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disqual- disqualify them so quickly. Like, mm. who knows? Like, they're, yeah. they're spending money on on this good point. webflow hosting and account, and and maybe they're spending money on Jetboost. and They're spending money on this project.
1: They can spend money on my project exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I haven't just dis- oh, luckily, I haven't disqualified anybody about that, but um, it was something I was thinking about. So maybe I'll, yeah, I'll just cast a wider net on
0: that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think, I think your gut is, your gut feeling might be right. Like someone who's making money is willing to spend a lot more money to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But the whole reason why we want to talk to people is cause we can't trust our gut.
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's really it. I mean, making sure that I'm focusing on this and spending a lot of effort on it. I'm trying to be extra good to myself this week like every hour that i spend doing this that i like agonize over of sending people things (laughs) sending people messages and dms and that kind of thing i'm trying to be like okay i'm going to be able to quit 30 minutes earlier today so i can go and do something else i'm just trying to give myself a carrot because i i have this terrible habit of when i feel like twinges of discomfort or whatever it's so easy for me to just open twitter open youtube (laughs) open reddit I just do literally anything else. And before you know it, I'm on like page five of Slash Popular. And I'm like, oh, God, get back to
0: work. So, so the six people that you reached out to, that was in one yeah. day? Yeah. So like next week, you're going to reach out to 30?
1: I'm going to reach out to people every day until I run out of people to reach out to. Okay. Um, and when I run out of people... That will tell me something, hopefully, about the 10. Okay. Um, I think I will – I think I'm going to start with the 10K limit. I'm going to continue with the 10K limit first because I've thought most deeply about that problem. Um, before I start interviewing people about GDPR, I need to just kind of get more informed about it. I, I know, like, the gist of it, but I'd like to get more f- technically familiar with it. Um and then once I do some preliminary reading, I'll see if I can start reaching. because, like, I mean, even the Webflow wish list is insane. There's so many people. Oh yeah, who are like, it's like I need this so bad.
0: Yeah, it's, the GDPR is like number two, I think, on the on the wish list. Multilingual, I think, is number one. Mm. But uh, I I don't know, like I don't I don't know if you need to do that much more GDPR research. Mm-hmm. I mean, because for the ten thousand limit, like there were some there was some technical risk like possibility that it it was impossible to do Mm. for gdpr i don't know like i'm i'm pretty confident that there is no technical risk it's really about maybe hosting it in a in a different country which is super easy to do with aws or
1: yeah i guess it's i mean because it's taking the same code that i've written to do the 10k and move it off of webflow over to another place yeah
0: exactly um it's the same solution.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's the same solution. I guess in my mind, I was thinking like, well, it's not going to be self-service. Like I'm going to have to meet with people one-on-one for a while, but then understanding like what goes into GDPR? Because like people definitely are able to host GDPR compliant solutions on AWS. Like they must be. Yeah, of course. Of course. So th- I was thinking about what, go- what goes into that.
0: Yeah, I'm just- but, but I'm just saying you could start talking to people without having to know what the solution is. It- Oh, yeah, definitely. Just like, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm working on a, a new hosting solution for Webflow projects, and it's mm-hmm. going to be GDPR compliant, and it's going to pass the 10,000 limit. Are you interested in talking? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's all sorts of all sorts of interesting things. That's good. Yeah, so uh, where I'm at now with my freelancing client, so the, what's kind of immediately in front of me is... Um, my, my client was asking me if I was cool taking a break for a little bit, which I'm very cool to, <laughs> I've got lots, I've got lots of this to work on. Um, but I also had gotten another, and I so I was looking forward to it. He was like, Oh, do you mind sitting on the bench for a bit? I said, great. Sounds awesome. And then, um, I immediately got hit up for another contract. It doesn't seem quite as intensive as this one. Um, it's kind of more consulting in the, in the lending space uh, that I have expertise in. But I was kind of thinking to myself, like, I'm going to take this. I was kind of excited to work on my own stuff. And then I was thinking like, oh, but there's some toys that I would like. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if I could charge enough to buy one or two of these toys that I was hoping to acquire. <laughs> so I've been kind of thinking about like, where do I want to spend my effort? And like, you know, I'm looking back at my goal of September 1. By September 1, I want to have a thousand MRR. Um, and right now I have the runway to get me there from the, con- from the contracting I've done. I've, I can afford it, but toys are nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to make up my mind. So it, part of me is, um, I was chatting with my wife about this and she was like, you know what you should do? Just charge enough that if they say that, that, you, or what do they say? Like price, price it so high that they'll never say yes. And if they say yes, then do it and buy yourself some toys. Or, right. Or, and I was thinking, oh, actually, that's uh, that's a good way to do it. Maybe I'll take that.
0: But how long of a commitment, though, is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would need to write it down and be like, right. So right now it's starting with a quote. Um, they're interested in one particular thing. So I can give them, a. I can write them a quote. And then that would be, you know, maybe that would be a day.
0: Oh, okay. Then, okay. Yeah.
1: And then going on after that. It's um, it would be whatever the wherever the relationship goes. Yeah, because I can't. I, I just refuse to do more than like. I, I all of a sudden I like. What would what would kind of suck actually is if this contract ended up taking about as much time as the contract that I currently have. Because then it's like I don't need the money, but now I've locked myself. I'm playing right. the money game.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like
1: I I don't need it. I've j- I just said that I don't need the money. I've, I'm just trying to buy some toys.
0: Yeah, and you don't. You just need to work a few days to to afford those toys. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. So yeah, I'm a little bit, um, I'm still deciding if I want to, like, I, I am thinking that I'll do the whole initial quote, throw in the initial quote and see what they say. Um, and then take it step by step. I do feel like, I'd like to know your thoughts on this, but I don't feel disingenuous saying something to the to the effect of like, sure, this is the quote that I'll give you for this. And then having them say, great, can you do more? Like, can you, can you, now that this is done, can you do this? And me being like, no. actually no not not even interested that that just feels disingenuous because it's like they're not that they're investing expecting a relationship but that by saying yes you're kind of saying like yeah i'm open to a relationship
0: no i agree it's like you're saying that yes we can have this this professional relationship Mm -hmm. and that can easily mean that then they can count on you again in the future Mm -hmm. but if you made it clear that listen i'm really busy working on a side you know on on my own business but i could yeah. i could do this for you guys mm-hmm.
1: so yeah i'm a little like am still deciding but yeah because it feels disingenuous um because i'm not truly open to it yeah so yeah that's me that's that was my week <laughs> lots of highs lots of lows had some wins, feeling good how was your week mm. any exciting happen
0: uh exciting no <laughs> exciting there were some lots of frustrations Mm. Yeah, I, there was just some technical problem after technical problem. Like it was, it was frustrating. <laughs> it was a hard week, but in the end, I found solutions to all of them. So, well, except one, but anyways, th- the first problem was that I wanted to, to store some JSON data in, in Postgres, right?
1: Yeah, right. Because you're a, I mean, you're a, you're a Mongo dude. Yeah, exactly. But the, but the starter that you bought was like post, was relational database.
0: Exactly. And I haven't used relational databases in ten years because I've 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 always been using Mongo. I love it and I know mm-hmm. it by heart. And I've never had problems with it. I don't know why there's so much hate for it in the Hacker News community. Like I've never had problems with it. Okay. So and but all the Airtable data is. Is all like RESTful APIs, right? So it's all JSON that I'm sending Airtable and that Airtable's sending me back. So I just wanted to store the data as is in Postgres. Um, But then I wanted to be able to query that data. and, And then I discovered... Postgres, like, wonderful querying language for, for these JSONB fields. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolute garbage. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's
0: crazy. Like, especially if you're coming from an SQL world, like, where, like, the querying language is just plain English. You know, select, where, from, in, and in. And here it's like, no, it's like uh, dash greater than. Or dash greater greater than or, yeah, or dash dash greater yeah, than greater or than. greater than <laughs> question mark or at percent question mark. Or, it's all yeah. these cryptic things like and uh, and yeah, I tried, I read the documentation, I'm like you know, again, like we talked about last week, how much time can I invest in learning this? Mm-hmm. In the end I was like, No. Like I I, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> There's no reason why I can't use two databases. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to store customer data in their own schema or database anyways and I couldn't figure out how to do it with Postgres because of
1: yeah, you, th- this has been a requirement yeah exactly from the
0: beginning so like this was two birds with one stone solution I'm just alright I reintroduced MongoDB uh, so now all the customer data is in Mongo um, and so they and each customer data is in their own Mongo tables so they're not they're not any the, there's no like There's no problem of, you know, having millions and millions of records in one table anymore because each customer is only going to have who knows like ten thousand or twenty thousand records. If they're if they're using Webflow, they're only going to have (laughs) ten thousand for now. So yeah, so it was it was finally an easy solution. I had to rewrite a bit of code, but but now it's working. All the all the the member information and the form submissions. They're all in MongoDB. It's all in JSON, so and I know how to query it. It's it's uh, it's per, it's working perfectly. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's great. So that's one thing solved.
1: Yeah. Okay. Perfect.
0: Yeah. And then i I wasted so much time on the Airtable API because because <laughs> ironically, like I I used it a lot with Power Importer, but mm-hmm. only to read data. Like I, I never write data to Airtable. Oh yeah. So now I had to use like, you know, post and puts and deletes mm-hmm. to, to send information to Airtable. And for the life of me, I couldn't get it to work. Like, it was just... Airtable would just respond with this really cryptic message saying that, oh, the value for this field is invalid, but no more information. And what I was basically do, trying to do is set a float in a percentage field. Okay, and it was just telling me that the value was invalid. So like, I'm just like debugging, you know. I don't understand. Like it's a float on my side, and and I'm putting it in a hash, and I'm sending it, and um, and then they're saying no. So then I, I took their JavaScript library and like added some logging to it, and <laughs> so like so that I would use that, and that worked. I was like, I don't understand how come it works with the JavaScript library, and it doesn't work with, with my Ruby library Hmm. and finally like after 13 hour uh, 13 hour day like i just finally found it found the problem okay the ruby library that i was using was sending the hash not as json but as uh as uh what do you call that format like form encoded like basically like a like a query string oh yeah but that you would think that like, the Airtable API would tell me, oh no, the body needs to be JSON. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you would think it would give you some sort of useful yeah.
0: So here, no, it's like somehow it, it accepted that it was URL encoded, but it saw that float as a string, I guess, because there's no types in, in query strings. So so that
1: data was in the it, it was it was being set in the URL, not in the payload
0: body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but that's the thing. Like Airtable was parsing it like and yeah. but then was was incapable of seeing that this 0.75 was a float. It just looked at it and said, "Oh, that's a string." So, but if you send it as JSON, then it sees that it's not in quotes, so it knows that it's a float. Oh, my but it's god. like, "Oh my god, if you had only told me that that was the problem that I'm I'm not sending you JSON, like I'm sending you mm. parameters." Then I would have known, but it's only when I added logging deep inside the library that I saw that <laughs> the library was sending query strings instead of JSON.
1: So was that not? Sh- that, so that wasn't showing up when you were logging in the JavaScript uh, client? Like it was?
0: Yeah. Well, the JavaScript library was was using JSON stringify it before sending it, mm-hmm. but in but my Ruby library accepts a hash of parameters. Oh, and it's like, uh, I just uh, thought that it would. If I put the content type as application JSON, it would encode it as yeah. JSON. <laughs> yeah, that, that almost seems fucking reasonable. I told you it's JSON, like you should do it. But no, it doesn't. Yeah, that was frustrating. But it works. Excellent. So yeah, and, uh, and then yesterday I finished the, uh, the asynchronous sending of data to Airtable. So okay. I've set up this whole queue. So when you submit a form, it goes it goes in the queue and returns to the client immediately. So okay. I I don't hit the Airtable API.
1: Cool. Yeah,
0: because the the problem is that the Airtable API has a rate limit. It's it's a very generous one. Like it's five requests per second.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's.
0: But uh, but if I hit it, like you know, I can't I can't tell the user to wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Airtable's telling me to rate. You know, to, to wait. So yeah. like, just just keep the window open for thirty seconds and I'll try again <laughs> yeah right so so when someone signs up i I use the API immediately because I need I need the member record to exist before I can even consider accepting form submissions yeah so I do that in real time but after that everything else is queued and it's sent asynchronously so I got all that code working and if I hit the rate limit then i I just retry and I and if I hit it again, well, then I retry a longer delay and gradually increase the delay. That's, that was no problem because I have to do all that stuff with Power Importer anyways when I send stuff to Webflow because Webflow has a horrible rate limit compared to Airtable. <laughs> so yeah, so I got all that working. Um, Very cool. I mean, every, everything is working now. Like I have the, the JavaScript is working fine. Um, the only problem I have with the JavaScript is the approach that I decided to take, which in hindsight was the wrong one, <laughs> is uh, is I I open like an iframe that that covers the entire viewport of the okay. of the browser. So and it's static. And then in there I render like a an opaque, well like a kind of translucent gray background, and and then I display my module on top of that. So it looks like it's a little pop-up on top of their website because you can still sort of see the website in the background. Yeah. So the reason I did it that way, because in an iframe, I control fully the styling. So like, right. so whatever CSS they have on their side, it won't affect how I display my forms. Or, right. So so that was the easy solution. But now the problem I'm encountering is that there's no way for me to detect that the iframe uh, loaded an error page. So. So let's let's say for some reason like my my nginx proc, like reverse proxy in front, mm. I don't know for some reason it's overwhelmed and it does a gateway error. Yeah. Like, but the JavaScript library, well the JavaScript that I wrote that loads up the iframe, mm. like I'll receive the onload event, but I have no way of knowing that this is a this is like an nginx five thousand error. Like it's not an actual working module. And the worst is that because I'm, I have an iframe that covers the whole browser, the user has no way of like closing it or <laughs> like they have no way of um, hitting escape and, and escaping or they, the only solution is like to reload the page. So then it reloads the customer's website instead of my iframe. Uh,
1: uh, okay. I see you. because this modal is invoked. From the JavaScript on the underlying page, yeah. Like I'm a, I am a gated page. You are not signed in, therefore, show mode.
0: Exactly, or or like you click on the link to to fill out a form, yeah. and then that that link will open this full screen iframe with a modal that displays the form to fill out. So it looks like it's just a pop up on that website, but it's actually full screen iframe. Yeah. So.
1: I'm just thinking: is, is there any default thing that could be shown? Because, like, I see what you mean. Like, there's the state that you get back in your modal, but you don't—you're not privy to that state. It just is what it is. Yeah. And then you want to be able to say, like, well, a user in that case, because I'm just thinking, like, say you put an X in the top right to be like, oh, close this modal. Um, that doesn't help you create a corresponding experience for the page that opened the modal. Because if it was if I linked you to a protected page where you would have needed to sign in, you're gonna see a modal that's like sign in. But if you close that, what do you see? Yeah. Versus
0: It's it said, I had a yeah. I had a first version. Like the the first version that I had was when you click the link on the customer's website, my JavaScript would intercept it and would would render a div that covered the whole browser so that it it, it kind of blurs their website and makes it dark. And then a small white box would open in the center, and that would be an iframe to my website where I could display the form. But the problem with that solution is that I have no way of knowing, like, how big this box should be. Like, I have, to, when I render it, I have to tell the browser, like, how big the iframe used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so then I, I would have to find this way of, like, maybe the, <laughs> my, my iframe would, would post a message to the client customer to tell them how big the iframe should be. And then they would resize it. And it was like, it was just, you know, that's why I gave up on it. It was like, because, but if I did it that way, then yes, I could put an X outside of the iframe. And then if there was an NGINX status page error, like it would appear in that small iframe and right. it, it would be weird, but at least they could close it.
1: Yeah, you, you're you giving the user some action.
0: Yeah, Exactly. But anyways, right now I've decided like for the MVP, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I mean, I, it shouldn't happen. There shouldn't be. And and I do catch any exceptions on my side. So if anything goes wrong in my Ruby code, then I have a custom error page that will fit perfectly, like that will have the same look. And that if you hit escape, it will close. Or okay. it has an okay button. If you click it, it will close. So it has the minimum it's needed to close this this page, but it displays okay. there was a server error. Sorry, try again yeah. in a few minutes. So I guess I could just take that page and, and tell Nginx to serve that page for all error, errors. Mm-hmm. So for all the 500 errors and for all the 400 errors, mm-hmm. to just display that page.
1: Yeah, that sounds totally
0: reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the simpler solution. But I've been reverse engineering the code of Member Stack and (laughs) MemberSpace. And yeah, there's an older version of MemberSpace that used iframes like I'm doing. Okay. But I I don't think the most recent ones are not using that anymore, probably for for that same reason. It
1: could be. Yeah. This would be such an – I've been wanting to – I've been really wanting to get back to meetups. It's been kind of a mental hurdle I've been dealing with. But um, I've been wanting to get back to the JS Montreal meetup. And it seems like such an interesting topic to, to like talk about, right?
0: It's really cool. Yeah, I mean that's it. Like it's the iframe works, you know, because you can when you open an iframe, you can send messages between uh, between the windows. So the iframe can send messages to the parent window. So that's how I'm communicating that if you hit escape, like I send that message to the to the customer's page that has my JavaScript library, and then the library just listens for it and closes the model but i didn't want to do that for resizing windows it was like that's a pain in the butt. like the width is easy like i can each form can know how wide it should be but the length right like the length is insane it's like Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah this is definitely a hack (laughs) what i'm doing is a hack right the web is not meant to be used this way
1: (laughs) fucking height oh my god man that I'm I'm just not a front end developer. Like I understand what you're telling me, and I I understand the general technology that goes into it. But as soon as we start talking about shit like height, I'm like, man, fuck this. Like, flexbox takes care of this for me, and if it doesn't, then I don't know what to do. Like, yeah,
0: well, then, exactly. That's that's why I used the iframe solution because yeah, because then HTML knows how to how high it sh- how high it should be and how wide it should be. Like, it calculates all that for you,
1: and then like. Um, are you worried about mobile or how does it look on mobile or how does it work on mobile
0: yeah it works fine on mobile okay yeah that's not a problem and i'm using trying to use as the basic javascript as possible to support all the browsers if it was just me i'd say fuck internet explorer but <laughs> <laughs> but apparently there's still people out there using it
1: yeah I remember at one of the companies i used to work for before we had written our own ui framework and invested a ton in it and i remember the day that we like we were like all right we're dropping ie6 and like every front-end developer was like yay Party! <laughs> Woo!
0: yeah yeah seriously i mean for for the actual member row interface like i don't support ie like fuck that <laughs> if, you, if you want to be a member row customer you got to be using a real browser but their customers
1: yeah that's a little
0: yeah they probably don't want to limit i know i say that but who knows how well webflow renders on ie but yeah anyways it's not that it's just really not that much javascript it's just a bunch of event listeners yeah so yeah that's great so now i guess like the last thing i just need to do is just, like rerun through the whole flow because like some some of the stuff i really just just threw it quickly together. So the, at least it worked. So I could create member rows and forms. Now I just need to go through the flow and make sure that it's well documented as you go along, that it's, it's clear for the user, like how many steps there are. And so maybe you have a progress bar, and the different steps displayed, lots of little pop ups that they can open to read explanations. I mean, I don't want to overdo it because this is, this is really just an MVP. Yeah. But at the same time, I I don't want someone to just like I have no idea how this works and then quit.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I mean, like you're very good at building shit. Like <laughs> I'm very interested to to get to hear you talk about getting this in the hands of somebody right. and I'm watching them. So speaking of that, so okay, so you have you know you you just got to run through everything like you said. What is the next most important thing? What's the next
0: step? That's a good question. I have two ideas. The first one is that I I agree I reach out to those two people that I talk to, and mm-hmm. have them try it out, and then get their feedback or have them use it right in front of me so that I can see if it's clear if they know why it works. Yep. Uh, the other one is that I I build a side project using this this new stack so Power Importer, mm-hmm. row, and Airtable and Webflow. And then I just put it out there, like, and looking for feedback. What do you think? Is this is this useful? So yeah, I know that the right answer is to give it to customers, <laughs> but that's scary. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, like, okay, let's let's uh, you know. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. It is scary, <laughs> but it also helps to I love your idea of of giving it to somebody and watching them step through it. Um, building something could be good. I, it could be good for publicity. I've, I've had an idea for a while of just like, cause I, I had this problem when I ran into the, Stri- when I was using Stripe, because I feel like everyone raves about the Stripe API and they're like, oh, it's so good. The docs are so good. And part of me wonders, like if I were running a company and I had a, an API that I asked people to integrate with, I think part of my QA would be going on upwork and hiring somebody and just being like, build a totally sample app and use this API and I want you to like document like how where you got stuck and where you spent your time. Like like what is the developer experience of this API through like hiring a contractor to do an integration with you? Um so it's like, can you find somebody to effectively go through that with you and like test it out and see the quirks?
0: Like I love this idea. This is this is a great idea. <laughs> no, no, totally. Like, yeah, I didn't I didn't think of that. Instead of me building a side project to show it off, I should hire someone to do it and ask them, yeah, like I want you to build it, but I want you to, you know, record your screen the whole time. Like, Oh,
1: yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, so, I want you to, I want to see you working in Webflow and Airtable. I want to see I want to see it all.
1: I want to see everything.
0: Yeah. Show me how the sausage is made.
1: Yeah, but yeah, yeah,
0: but you know, but the goal is to see like if if they're you know how long does it take them to figure it out and what needs to be improved for user experience. Mm-hmm. And at the end, then, at the end, I have a side project.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You've got something built, and then while they're doing that, if you're not going to sit on the call with them because you always could, I suppose, but you can just spend that time going and trying to talk to customers.
0: And, yeah, well, and no, that's it. it. I mean, the the problem the problem that I have with sitting on the phone while the customer uses it is that they're too quick to ask questions.
1: Ah, yes. Like
0: they're they're too quick to, so, so what do I do now? Like, and it's Mm -hmm. like, I I sort of want to just figure it out. Like try, you know, just, just, just play with it and figure it out.
1: We've learned this lesson from being in like coding interviews. When you're on the whiteboard writing something and someone's looking over your shoulder, it's like pairing on something. It's like, do you want to drive? Do you want, do you want me to drive? Like, because when somebody starts talking to me over my shoulder, my brain shuts off. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah, I find me it too.
1: really, I find it really hard to like work like that.
0: No, no, exactly. Yeah, me too. But in this case, it's like I, I, I just I want you to to try to figure it out yourself because I want to see what needs to be improved. And if they ask me questions, well, then I feel obliged to answer. Yes. And then I don't. I guess uh, the fact they asked the question, I guess I should have improved it. But it's also too easy to ask questions because I'm right there. And they f- almost it almost feels rude not to ask questions, not to have a conversation. Oh. So it's all. Yeah. I mean, I've I've done it before, but yeah, mm. it's it's hard. It's a balancing act of like
1: yeah
0: waiting before I answer to see if they if they'll click something on their own. Yeah, oh,
1: that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's a delicate balance.
0: But I love this idea. I'll hire a no-code developer to to build something on this stack. And, and if they can record it all, able to, to review it and see mm. what needs to be improved.
1: Where would you go or how would you find one of those people? Yeah, I mean, you're in a lot of Slack channels. Would you just ping and look for somebody or would you go to like a platform?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Like I, I mean, th- I think the last resort would go to Fiverr Upwork. Like I, I think I, I know it could be a power importer customer. That'd be mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because I, I I was asking because in my journey these last couple of days of going through Webflow forums and everything, I've noticed that a lot of these platforms have popped up. Of I'm a Webflow expert, I'm a no code expert, and I my skills are for sale on these sites.
0: Yeah, I've seen those too. Could be somebody ready, Will? Yeah, I mean I I I do have someone that wants to work together, but he's quite expensive. <laughs>
1: Why do nice things cost money?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it's,
1: like, it's not really... I mean, the experience... It'd be cool to build something beautiful, but it might be more important to build something functional first.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Because my idea for this side project is that if it can be something that's clonable afterwards mm-hmm. so that other people can just clone it and and then automatically they become power importer and member row customers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think these clonables have to have simple designs like cuz i don't know it's my gut feeling is that people don't want all like they don't want their site to look identical to everyone else's site so if you're right. using a clonable let's say of a job board you don't want it to look identical to all the other job boards that clone this clonable yeah but if it's a really minimalist design then it's easy for you to to modify it
1: mm-hmm. yeah i never really thought about it like that but that's true it's like you can make something really fancy and people are like wow this is really fancy but the fancier it is, the less people are gonna wanna fuck with it and tune it and yeah, like, make it their own.
0: Like for member row, I, I took a, a webflow clonable to, to put it up together, the landing page. And yeah, like it's I, I I mean I regret it. Like I for the next landing page I'm gonna scrap it all and just code it myself. Okay. And it's not because the design's ugly, like the the template was was pretty, but you know they make design decisions based on whatever mock data they have, so it doesn't always fit with what data you have, right?
1: Ooh, that is
0: interesting. Right? Yeah, like, that's it's true. Like, they'll don't, they'll don't make the heading this big, but yeah, but their heading was only three words.
1: My heading mm-hmm. is
0: like five words. Yep. Oh and, man, that's a
1: very right.
0: Or, or they'll show a video, like I was like, but I don't have a video.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's very nuanced. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not a, I, I never find easy. To, it's always tempted, tempting to just use a template that already exists. Mm-hmm. But then when you, I find you, I find myself trying to find the elements that go into the design, which I think is the wrong way of doing it. I think it's better to think about the copy and the assets and then build a design around that. So that's why I think these clonables that I want to build, I want them to be pretty simple and minimalist so you just yeah you know change change the primary color the secondary color and the font and then yeah then add images yourself
1: it's very bootstrap of you
0: exactly (laughs) i love bootstrap (laughs) that is something else that i'm regretting is that (laughs) i'm using tailwind now and uh, (laughs) i'm not enjoying it
1: um do you think that's well, why? Why are you not? Why you're not
0: enjoying? It? I mean, there there is a learning curve. Like I have to relearn, Definitely. like like buttons and things like that. But what I don't like about it is that by default it seems easy. I'll just throw a bunch of classes until it looks the way I want it to look. But then when you create another page, you want consistency, right? Like I want the headings on all the pages to be the same size, same font weight, and same padding, same margins. Um, and it and it's hard when you're using utility first. So like I gotta go, I gotta go to that page and copy paste that chunk, okay? Because I'm using six different classes for this heading to look like that. So then I go copy paste it on the other page. But then if I change one, I gotta remember to change it everywhere.
1: Right? Can you? I, I know nothing. Like I'm terrible at CSS. Can you not create a meta class that just yeah. incorporates all of those? Yeah. No, you and can use that.
0: Yeah, you can. Um, but then at that point, why aren't you just writing plain CSS?
1: <laughs> oh, I see what you mean.
0: It's like, okay. So now I'm going to, I'm going to say this is a class heading and then I'm going to, I'm going to apply all these different tailwind classes to it. So yeah. So I've, I've created a component now and I can reuse mm. it. Mm. But at that point, that list of, of tailwind classes, a lot of them are, can just be replaced with one line of CSS. Right. Like the font, font bold. It's like, yeah, that's, that's just one line of CSS. Like, why, why am I learning the Tailwind syntax when I already know the CSS syntax? Like, that's a good, that's uh, a
1: very good point.
0: Yeah. Like some things are, are nice. Like, you know, how to make a pretty drop shadow. Like, I don't know how to do that. And Tailwind, I've defined a bunch of beautiful drop shadows. So, yeah. I agree. For those things, it's great. Or like, you know the the hard round borders or, <laughs> you know there's some things like you gotta you gotta have a a designer touch which I don't have but yeah that's uh so I've actually I'm actually no no it's not true I'm still using Telewind for for these customer uh, modules that I'm generating but I'm so tempted to just <laughs> switch back to bootstrap. <laughs> Post MVP. Yeah, exactly. No, for now it's fine. It's fine. It's
1: yeah. It's man. Isn't it funny? Like the the old adage, like the technology you know best is the best choice. Yeah, it is. It just is.
0: It is like this. I mean, I still i I don't totally regret using this framework that I that I chose Mm -hmm. because there's there's a lot of stuff out of the box that works, and it would have taken me so much longer to create all that. If it if it means that I have to use stimulus and hotwire and Tailwind and Postgres, all things that I would not have used myself, mm-hmm. it's okay for some of it. But yeah, in the end, it's not what I'm using for these generated pages for the customers.
1: Well, like just throwing it out there, um, would it be possible to take your? I mean, you have access to the repo to the to, to the to the starter repo. Can you just take all the work that you've done as one commit and be like, "Here it is with Mongo and all the other things that I'm using, and now whenever I want to use this again, now I just have this with one commit on top of it, to add all the th- all all the toys that I like,
0: yeah, I don't know Fair. yeah, there's some things, yes, there's some things that i like I could just add mongo and but overall, like a lot of this this code is very specific for this project it's not yeah it's not reusable. Yeah. so yeah i mean it's it's exciting it's so it's it's almost ready very
1: exciting
0: yeah 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 i think this week uh, i should reach out to, to more people also the the two that i talked to that were very interested in trying it out mm. see if i can get them on the phone and have yeah. them try it live yeah.
1: um would that be a would a precursor to that conversation having a demo that you can show them or like what do those calls look like like how what does preparation look like for the
0: yeah, for power importer, I would basically walk them through it. But in this case, that's yeah, a good question because like, are do they have a, a live site right now? Like, I mean, they might be willing to play around in the in the staging environment, but uh, they're not going to want to publish that to to their domain. I would imagine not. No,
1: <laughs> I would be hesitant. <laughs> right.
0: So yeah, I mean, maybe I should create. Maybe I should create a small template that they could just clone and then start playing with it maybe yeah
1: yeah because i mean it's a good question you've you've talked before about the migration like if people want to migrate away from member stack um what that might look like so i mean i don't want to like i'm not going to add to your list of things to do but i'm just thinking like is it would it be useful to be like well if you're using member stack then you were injecting this javascript but now you're just going to inject this javascript instead and that's it or, I, I don't know. Like, maybe it's
0: a. No, it's more than that, though. It's like they'd have to go to Member Stack and ask for an export.
1: And right, because they have to they export have, their users.
0: And then I'd have to import their users. Right. Yeah, that it can be fully automated, but if they want to take that Member Stack data and put it in Airtable.
1: Yeah, it's never.
0: Although, they're most likely already doing that themselves, though, with Zapier. Mm-hmm. So, all the Member Stack data is probably already in table and webflow possibly
1: and when you do the export we talked about this too but when you do the export from member stack do they give you the salt and yeah, everything
0: like that so that i don't know we <laughs> haven't haven't tried it yet <laughs>
1: that could be an interesting partnership to launch with any of these like hey if you want to do the migration i'll help you with the first one right profile it
0: yeah exactly you know that, that I, that's a good point i could do that for uh, a, a case study
1: Sorry, I feel like I'm just adding. I'm just giving you more shit to do, to think about. <laughs> but uh...
0: no, no, no. These are very good questions. I I hadn't thought it through to all to that point. Because uh, yeah, I don't feel. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna have to test it on some on some test project. Mm-hmm. I really don't see them using it on unless they're they have a project that's not published yet on a domain and they were just about. To, to start integrating member stack then it's a perfect perfect scenario but otherwise i think it's going to be more like clone clone this job board here and yeah. let's, let's make employers log in before they post a, a posting
1: yeah totally I, I love that idea a super duper stripped down simple example of like here it is working and here it is uh here's what it takes to make right. from from nothing you've got a busy week ahead of
0: you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, the one thing I haven't done yet is uh, a way for member row to tell power importer to, to do a sync. Right. Like, uh, the, the reason I didn't do it is because I, I thought it's one more step that can confuse the user when, when setting up their member row. It's like, it's like, okay, now you just defined, you just define a form. Okay. Now do you want to, do you want to link it to power importer? And if yes, well, then go to power importer, generate a key come back, enter the API key, uh, and now like tell me which workflow to use. Yeah, it's... Uh, can you
1: share JWT keys <laughs> <laughs> between the two sites? So you can just be, like, go to Power Importer and just like, oh, you already have an account here.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I guess I got to think about this a bit more. I mean, that... I think I, I can still reach out to the to these two people first and just mm. like ask them, hey, do you want to try it out? And yeah. And hopefully they have a project to test it out on. And if they don't, well, then it's all right. I'll, I'll work in a, on a very simple clonable that they can start playing with. Totally.
1: I can't wait for next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is such an exciting time. It's so nice to like see progress made and be like, all right, I'm on the edge of something, on the edge of something really cool.
0: Yeah no this this is uh this is scary <laughs> but it was easy when it was coding
1: oh yeah it was lovely it was paradise
0: yeah. yeah that's why i was hiding from this all right i gotta do it
1: you got this let Thanks. me know if you need me to push the button
0: all right <laughs> same with you yeah oh, Don't worry. if you need me to send those dms
1: yeah okay cool anything else Nope, that's it. Okay, all right. I'm gonna uh, gonna get back to work. I've done all my hard things for the day, so I'm gonna edit this podcast. Take it easy for the year. Awesome.
0: All right, talk to you next week.
1: I'll catch you next week.